Welcome to Slaying the Sale, a podcast full of practical real-life sales lessons that you wish you learned in business school. Your host, Kyle, is a two-time best-selling author, creator of the Slaymaker Method, and in each episode, he and his guests will be answering the tough questions around sales, lead generation, and all things business to help you transform your sales mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Kyle Slaymaker. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode, another edition of Slaying the Sale. I am your host, Kyle Slaymaker. We are rocking and rolling. We are crushing it. We are having fun. We are stockpiling these episodes to make sure that you guys have constant content coming at you. Every single week, you will have new content, whether it is YouTube, whether it is uh, TikTok, every, I think TikTok we're doing daily now at this point. Uh We're doing everything we can to make sure that you don't ever have a break, right? Now, that sounds kind of shitty, right? Like, like, oh, gosh, Kyle, you want us to be, you know, on you 24-7. No, I want to be able to deliver value to you as much as I possibly can. That's what I do. That's what I am known for. You guys all know that. So between the podcast, we've got the podcast ready to go. It is going to be rocking and rolling every single week, week after week. We're not taking breaks. We're not doing seasons. We are just going, okay? Now. What are we going to talk about today? Objections, indifferences, opportunities, roadblocks, barriers, whatever you want to call them, right? The dreaded things that the prospect gives you that kind of pushes you back and stops you from closing the deal, okay? Now, why did I give you all those different names? Because people call them a million and a half different things, right? Most commonly, they're objections, but I've heard them called indifferences. I'd call them opportunities because you can go back and learn and figure out where your mistake was. I would call them, I've heard them called a million different things. Okay. But for now we're going to call them objections. Now, simply put, what is an objection? Best way that I can describe an objection is you think you're going to close and the customer says, no, it's the price is too high. No, you've got a bad reputation. No, you've got this. I don't have time. Usually the time objection is before you even get that first meeting, right? So we're going to go over a few things today. We're going to go over how to deal with an objection right in the beginning when you deliver your value statement. You're trying to get that meeting with that person, whether it's B2B, whether it's D2D, whether it's B2C, okay? Whether it's cold calling, emails, everything, we're going to go over how to handle these objections, okay? Now, I promise you, you start living... What, what I'm telling you, you start implementing what I'm telling you into your sales process today, your sales strategy, and you're going to see an impact. Maybe not at first because you have to get comfortable, right? If a prospect sees that you're uncomfortable handling their objection, they're probably going to keep pushing you, okay? Now, people are going to be more hesitant to buy. Why? Because we know the times that we're living in. We know that there is an economic recession coming or you know, some people might say it's even here. Um, we're not going to get political. I'm not going to tell you whether I think it's here, whether it's coming, whether it's going, I'm not going to, I'm not me. I'm not an economic expert. I took economics for a few classes in college, but I'm not going to do that now. Um, let's talk about that just for a brief minute, because I really want to make sure you guys are prepared. Okay. Now in times like these people, generally speaking, are going to be more hesitant to buy. Now, you will find the guys that want to be or the companies that want to be a little bit more aggressive in their buying because they know that the ones that really thrived during COVID and came out stronger than they went in are the ones that stepped the foot on the gas, the ones that didn't hold back, that weren't afraid to take the risks. Now, 
I hope you come across them often. In fact, that's where I think you should focus a lot of your efforts on if you're in a B2B environment. That's a very good place to focus your efforts on if you're in a B2B environment. Now, if you're in a B2C environment, if you're a direct-to-consumer, if you're retail, anything like that, uh, it's important to understand that you're going to have to really work for the sale most of the time. Now, retail is a little different because people are coming into the store, right? So like, they're there for a reason. They're there to buy. Um, you know, but other times it might not be as easy. It's probably not going to be as easy because people are going to be very careful with their money, generally speaking again. So the problem that, that you need to overcome uh, most likely is going to be price. All right. Now, the pricing objection and, and really all objections can be handled a few ways. All right. And I want to start with this. This is whether it's a uh, beginning of the sales process objection, or it is a back end objection where they're hitting you with it when you go to close, anything like that. Um, the framework for handling every objection is going to be very similar. All right. And this is not reinventing the wheel. This is not breaking the mold, right? If you go to Sandler, Miller Hyman, if you go to Grant Cardone, most of these people, the majority of them are going to tell you that the roadmap for handling objections is very similar. And I'm not going to reinvent the wheel for you here, but I'm going to try to put it in ways that you can understand in my way. Okay, this is how I view handling objections. One, I don't view an objection as a bad thing. Now, you're probably going to sit here and say, how the hell is that possible? Well, it's possible because really it just provides me an opportunity to figure out where I messed up. Okay, because remember, if you do your job 90% of the time, those objections are going to be very few and far between. They're, not, they're just going to be like, Instinctive objections, right? They're going to be objections because the customer, the prospect is conditioned to say no. And, and we're the same way. We are absolutely the same way. Okay. So you have to remember that every person you're talking to, whether it's B2B, B2C, whatever it is, you have to understand that we're all conditioned to be hesitant to make purchases, whether, you know, whether they're being aggressive in the market or not. Um, think of when you walk into a store. Okay. What's the first thing you say when somebody comes up to you and asks you, oh, is there anything I can help you with? Nope, just looking. You you could have a million dollars in your pocket and you know exactly where every penny of that million is going to go in that store. You know exactly what you want and you're still going to say just looking because that's what we're conditioned to do. That's what we are, are conditioned to do every time. we. How many times does that happen to you? You walk into a store, I'm just looking, I'm just looking, I'm just looking. Oh, let me know if you need anything. I'm just looking, I'm just looking. But listen, when somebody gives an objection, it really does give you an opportunity to, one, try again if you did it right, and two, hone your skills and hone your processes to where you can figure out exactly how to minimize that objection next time. Okay. Now, how do we handle an objection? One, we acknowledge, right? And this is very, very solution selling. Very, very solution selling. I'm a big fan of solutions and relational hybrid selling. That's why I created my sales process the way that I do. That's why I create all the sales processes for my clients the way that I do. That's why my book is all about selling in this hybrid way. Now, <clears throat> how do you acknowledge? First off, and any decent salesperson and sales trainer and sales coach will tell you, don't ever say, I understand, right? The customer says, I'm sorry, I don't have the time. Hey, I understand. Good, thanks, get out. Thank you for understanding. Have a nice day. Right. It provides you the prize, the customer, the prospect, the chance to just completely end the conversation, not even start it. You know what I'm talking about? Exactly. Now, how can you acknowledge without getting the door slammed in your face? 
How can you acknowledge without the conversation ending? All right. And this is not stuff that's aggressive. You guys know that I am not going to teach you anything to sell aggressively because it's not how people want to be sold to anymore. Okay. And you can sit here and argue with me all day long. You can bitch at me in the comments. I don't care. The more you get aggressive, the less likely you are to one, close the deal. And the more like you are that if you do close the deal, they're not going to have a good customer experience with you. And that's going to lead to not a good referral. That's going to lead to bad word of mouth. So we want to minimize that. We do not want to be aggressive with the customer. Sometimes you have to push a little and that's fine. There's a difference between pushing and being aggressive. So understand that. We'll do that in another video or another uh, podcast. Um, so how do you acknowledge without saying I understand? Well, let's look at some of the common objections. Let's look at the time objection. Okay, so you are trying to get the meeting with a prospect. So you say, you deliver your value statement, you give them a time that you can meet. And I say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry. I just, I just don't have the time, okay? You hit them with this or something like this, something that makes you, that you're comfortable with that is gonna get the customer to engage or get the prospect to engage for just a little bit longer, all right? Sir, ma'am, it's incredibly important to make sure that you're getting the most value for your time. If I could, I'd like to ask you just one or two questions before I get out of here to make sure there's nothing that I can't bring to the table that you would find valuable. Is that okay? Yes or no? It's a closed-ended question, which I'm not going to tell you to do very often. But in this situation, it's okay. Right? So... What happens after they say yes? Most people generally say yes because they're trying to be polite. Now, them being polite, that's your in, right? So now how do you follow that up? You better ask a question that's going to get them thinking. You better ask a question that's going to get them to see, oh, maybe we should meet with this person. Now, it could be anything from what do you do in the event of dot, dot, dot? What is your process for dot, dot, dot? What is the one process in your company or your house that you want to improve on? Right, get something to get them talking. And then that second question should be, okay, hey, listen, I want to be respectful of your time. I can absolutely help you with that more than you more than you know. Let's schedule a time to meet. Okay, it's that simple. It's not unethical, it's not aggressive. You're asking permission to get the question to ask another question. You're acknowledging that they're busy, and most of the time they are busy. Right? These are business owners, these are you know, people that lead very busy, very busy lives. Um, let's think of other stuff. Oh, thanks. I'm happy with who I have. Being happy with who you have is an incredibly important thing. If I could, I'd like to ask you just one question just for my own purposes, and then I'll get out of your hair. If that's okay. Again, closed ended, right? But they're probably going to say yes. Okay. Now, you can do anything from if you could change one thing about your current provider, what would it be? Or you could do, if your current provider would increase their prices by whatever, would you stay with them? Now, that last one's another closed ended. Okay. Most of the time it's going to say, they're going to say no. So again, be ready to follow those questions up with, you know what? That's something I commonly hear a lot with a lot of my customers. And I can help with that. Let's set a time to talk. I want to be respectful of your time. 
I want to be respectful of the other provider, all that other stuff. Whatever you're doing, whatever industry you're in, whatever vertical you're in, whatever market you're in, you can do this. So <clears throat> that's how we're going to handle these objections, right? These are these opening statement objections. Those, those when you're trying to get your foot in the door, trying to get the meeting. Now, that framework is going to be exactly the same for every single objection. Now, you're going to get to the end of the meeting and you're going to get pricing objections. You're going to get, uh, you know, it's not the right time objections. You're going to get these objections, this objection, that objection. Okay, but it's all going to be handled the exact same way. Okay, if it's price, this is so-and-so. Making sure you are getting the most value for your dollar is incredibly important in these times. If I could, I'd like to ask you a few questions just to make sure there's something I didn't miss, and then I can get out of your hair. Is that okay? After that, they've already given you that amount of time. They're probably going to say yes. Okay? And then you're going to go back. Okay? You're going to go back to your positioning. You're going to figure out where you didn't build the value. Okay? Because pricing objections are usually done because you didn't build the value the right way. Now, I'm not saying you did it on purpose. I'm not saying you did anything wrong, but there's something that the customer may be looking for that you didn't see. And it's fine because handling the objection this way is going to allow you to go back and try to figure out what that is. Okay. Is it really a price objection? Or are they just wanting to get the absolute most? Because maybe for a price objection, usually all you have to do is quantify it. And quantifying it is easy. It's very, very easy, especially when you start tying in the emotional cost and the emotional value, the emotional benefit that you're going to get because you did your sales process like I have taught you, because you did your discovery, your dynamic demand creation phase like I taught you. And you got that customer to realize there's much more of a benefit than just the cost of this and the, intra or the extrinsic value to your product or service, because you're going to help them handle those intrinsic, those beneath the surface emotional needs. That is where it's going to be very easy to overcome these price objections. Okay, so just be ready to quantify, show everything. And I, I, I will probably do an episode on quantifying here um, if I did not air it already. Um, but who knows? Who knows? I don't know when I'm going to air this episode. Um, in fact, I'm probably going to edit this out. So what else can we do? How else do we overcome? What other objections? Ah, well, I heard uh, your company's pretty bad with insert task here. And you can say, again, acknowledge without saying I understand, right? Acknowledge, say, working with a company that you know is going to have your back when you need it is incredibly important. If I could, I'd like to address that real quickly to make sure those concerns are handled. Yeah. Okay. Then go into how you handle it. This is a great spot to be like, I can give you referrals right now. I can pick up the phone and call right now of somebody that can vouch for our customer service, vouch for our installation team, vouch for this, vouch for that. This reminds me of one of my favorite scenes in the office because it is one of the best, best objection scenes in all of television history. And it's in the office. Okay. Dwight and Jim are trying to close a customer. And it's great because you they're playing they're almost like playing like good cop bad cop right where Jim's the good good calm professional and Dwight's kind of the over the top in your face you know uh, brash salesman right and the customer hits him hits them both with the customer service objection and I love it it is one of my favorite um, again I, I I love seeing this video I watch it all the time now the customer says oh you know their customer service is really important to me and you're a small team you know blah blah blah. And as Jim is handling the objection, Dwight grabs this, this prospect's phone, puts it on speakerphone, 
and dials the customer service for the big box store. Right? Now, as he's dialing on hold, on speakerphone for customer service for this big box store, he takes out his cell phone and he calls the Dunder Mifflin customer service number. And it's answered immediately by the customer service. Right? I think it was Angela. I can't remember who it was on there. And Jim is playing right along with it. He's ignoring it. He's ignoring it. And then he gives this look as soon as the customer service rep for Dunder Mifflin answers. Right? And Dwight says, you're still on hold. We answered immediately. A real person, not a hotline. You know, right where we are. We will answer immediately. Customer says, all right, done. I got it. Deal. Now, I'm not saying everything's going to be as dynamic and fucking awesome as that. But think about that. Have these types of things in your back pocket to, to show people that whatever area they're worried about, your reputation of this, reputation of that, that you can overcome. Give them referrals. I used to walk around with referrals in my book. Many, many, many referrals. I have customers to this day that I sold years ago that would pick up the phone right now if I was in a sales meeting for anything and vouch for me. Why? Because I take my job seriously from start to finish. From the second I try to touch a prospect to the second I close a deal and then service the sale and beyond. That's why I am able to overcome those objections very easily. You're worried about my reputation. Here you go. You can call anybody that you see on these papers. I welcome you to. Because I take customer service very seriously. I take your trusted buying from me very seriously. What other objections can we get? We can get so many other objections. But again, I just want you to run this framework. I just want you to understand that you have to acknowledge the objection without saying I understand. Ask permission to ask a few questions and go back and just slowly work the process again. Understand where the objection is coming from. And understand every objection, just like every need, has a beneath-the-surface root, a beneath-the-surface cause, okay? So price objections could be that maybe they're worried about future projections. Right? Then quantify with them that by purchasing with you, they're going to be able to make more money, okay? And be ethical, be honest. Don't ever lie to a customer. If they're worried about customer service, Maybe they're worried about also time on the phone because they want to spend more time with their family. Maybe they want to spend more time with their employees. Maybe they want to spend more time working on money-making tasks. But you have to think about that. You have to think about the surface level and the underneath the surface level. All right, that's enough. This was one of my longer solo episodes, and I'm fine to do it. I'm glad. I hope you guys found some value in it. I will see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on Slaying the Sale. If you're interested in knowing more about Kyle, make sure you head over to his website, theslaymakermethod.com, and pick up a copy of his best-selling books. Then head to Facebook to join his private group, Slaymaker Sales Mastery, to become the number one salesperson in your company. And until next time, remember to keep slaying the sale.